Welcome to Procrastacast, episode number six, the real number six. I'm Ethan. And I'm Dan. And it is Monday, January 25th, 2016. Uh, we are recording this in the beautiful Vancouver, BC, Canada. On today's episode, we'll be chatting about television and movie streaming services. Specifically, we'll be looking at the industry's new normal, Netflix. Is this little service that can reaching a point where it's simply too big to fail? Uh, after that, uh, we'll be taking a look at the art of streaming itself but more specifically, binge-watching. Um, is it possible to have too much of a good thing? Um, to start off, though, of course, Dan, how was your week? Uh, it was a good week. Um, so it's the start of my last term of school so far. Um, at the start of the term, it's less busy, so I've been on kind of a health kick lately. <laughs> yeah. I've been using my fitness pal. I've been tracking calories. New year, new year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm one of those january people who's been going to the gym you know just taking up space man exactly yeah come march you'll be gone anyways but yeah so it's been nice because i've had a lot of time to make that lifestyle change (laughs) i guess so yeah uh how about you uh my week was okay um so as you kind of know i spent uh like half the week last week uh laid out with a stomach virus Mm -hmm. which was terrible However, there was an upside in that I had been like playing with the idea of maybe getting a Crave TV subscription. Right. And what better time to uh, start a new TV subscription than when you are sick in bed? So I pulled the trigger on that. And that's kind of actually uh, what prompted the idea for, for this conversation. Um, mm-hmm. to kind we have of, a, yeah, a very Netflix heavy conversation very Netflix today. Heavy. Um, just to explain kind of what Crave TV is, just in case people don't know, because it is a newer service. Mm-hmm. Um, Crave is like a Netflix competitor, but it only has TV shows. So it focuses specifically on TV. Um, I personally was interested in trying it uh, because they have a huge collection of HBO shows, which Netflix, at least in Canada, doesn't have. And I don't no, know. No, I, have the I don't think it. they have it anywhere. Yeah, well, uh, HBO is not. Because they have, because there's anywhere. HBO Go. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, but then they also have other, like, really great shows that I like, um, such as Chappelle Show and Key and Peel, or even, like, old BBC shows like Faulty Towers. So mm-hmm. that's kind of what um, what Crave is, and yeah, so I spent the week kind of catching up on season one of The Wire and thinking about the impact of streaming services in general. Mm-hmm. So with that in mind, I guess to start, Netflix. Yeah. Is it too big to fail? Is Netflix going to be like Kleenex to tissues or Slurpees to ice drinks? Something that is like forever synonymous with the product uh, and kind of like unable to be dethroned from the top spot. Or does it warrant like a cult-like following like Apple for being incredibly innovative? Mm-hmm. Or is it just simply the first step in the digital revolution? Right. Yeah, and I noticed, I mean, you had told me in relation to that uh, question mm-hmm. that you thought Netflix is overrated. Yeah. And I thought about that, and I think I agree as well, yeah. that it is overrated to an extent. So and I, I guess to start, we should explain why I think Netflix is overrated. Yeah, sure. So... Netflix um, is great. Netflix has spawned a bunch of uh, competitors, and it's also spawned. It's definitely like entrenched in the cultural lexicon right mm-hmm. now. So from everything to Netflix and t- chill to just the <laughs> like amount of uh, influence that shows on Netflix have, such as like Breaking Bad or even right. like the new original series that they have. Um, but to me, it just kind of seems like Netflix is slowly just becoming like another TV station that just is a TV station that's based in the digital world instead right. of just like a, a, a real thing yep. because it's like they have all these tv shows but then they also have a bunch of stuff that i don't watch and that i don't think other people want to watch and even like their movie selection is like they have like 
big titles and then they have lots of really small oh, random yeah. titles. If you look over the horror genre on <laughs> Netflix, which I mean, I like horror movies. It's like five movies, at least in Canada, that I would want to watch. Yeah. And then the rest is pretty garbage uh, content, right? Yeah, so, so I feel like I feel like they put a lot of money into buying um, content that people they think really like the general public public really wants to see, and then they spend a bunch of other money on kind of like more random stuff that I don't think anyone just really to fill cares out about. the uh, yeah. I guess the to say oh we have ten thousand yeah. shows on the yeah on and the... even the fact that they seemingly drop shows and get rid of stuff not shows so much but especially mm-hmm. movies like they have a rotating like queue of what is available at any given time right yeah and okay so i guess to answer your question though about the is netflix too big to fail Mm -hmm. i don't think it is and i and i think right now it is essentially you know the kleenex (laughs) of tissues you know to television show or to streaming sites i mean people say they're gonna spend well i guess they'll spend a night watching netflix and Mm -hmm. they'll actually use netflix but Mm -hmm. um if you say you know, I spent the weekend watching Netflix, or like everyone, actually, everyone I don't know. Knows, you know, like knows what you mean. everyone knows what you mean, but you still will be using the site. Whereas, yeah. you know, you could be using any type of tissues, and you say, "Oh yeah, like could you get me a Kleenex right. or something?" Like, that's the difference. But I mean, well, I yeah. Mean, I, to be fair, like the idea of streaming TV shows is a little bit more complex than just a physical product like a Slurpee or a Kleenex. In it's the, the idea. That, it's just the idea yeah. of streaming TV online like, for. Like, to explain a new streaming service, for example, like, in my description of what Crave TV is, you have to point to Netflix and be like, it's like Netflix, but different. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that's kind of how I would consider it. Like, obviously, it's not going to be synonymous with every single streaming service because they're all, they all have different names. Right. Yeah. And that actually kind of goes, goes to the point of whether or not it's too big to fail. I mean, as of right now, Netflix is, well, Netflix is essentially the the first version of a new technology to become insanely popular. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like how Netflix, or sorry, not Netflix, how MySpace was the first social networking site to blow up, mm-hmm. right? And right now, Netflix is the MySpace of social networking. Mm-hmm. I think it's in that stage. And I think Netflix could continue on being successful for years to come. You know, but it's definitely not too big to fail. Yeah. It's just right now, it's the first, uh, first uh, system we use yeah. um, on a wide basis as a population, right? Mm-hmm. Totally. So, yeah, um, kind of in in thinking about this topic, like I agree with Dan, and one of the reasons why I agree with him is that I actually did a bit of background research just to see mm-hmm. kind of like how Netflix is doing. So Netflix does seemingly by all accounts control the majority of the market share Yeah. Um, compared to like Hulu. Uh, most of it's comparing to streaming services in the States. So there's Hulu, the competitor, which yeah. is also kind of more TV focused, but they also are, I think are starting to do original content. And then they also compare it against Amazon prime a lot, right. which is a totally confusing thing. Cause Amazon prime deals with so much shit that it really is like comparing apples and oranges in some ways, because mm-hmm. you have like TV on Amazon, but then, People are also subscribing for a lot of other reasons, not just for the TV subscription. Yeah. Um, but with that in mind, it's like Netflix controls it, but Netflix has also been having some interesting financial issues lately, just with like their stock price kind of going down, and um, people always kind of are speculating about the future of Netflix. Yeah, and um, when you mentioned Crave TV, I had never checked out their catalog, mm-hmm. but I do agree that their catalog is pretty strong. It is, especially. I mean, I think having. HBO's back catalog mm-hmm. is huge. 
Well, I think I, for me, like the thing that appeals to me about it is that it's, um, like if you, if you kind of lean towards watching TV and you don't really like watching movies that much, like something that's TV specific is like perfect for me in that there's a ton of TV shows that Mm -hmm. I have not seen and I want to see. And if you can offer me all of those in one, one spot, essentially making like the perfect cable channel that totally is suited to my needs. Yeah. Like for $7 a month, like I will totally subscribe to that. And I have subscribed. To and that. then if you want something that streams movies, yeah. you're okay with also having a separate uh, subscription to well, this is the something or you prop. might not need a movie streaming service because yeah. you don't watch movies as yeah. much. Yeah. Well, and it is an interesting problem of like you, you hear people talking about the idea of like, oh, well we can cut the cable now. Like we can, we can yeah. get rid of cable. We can just rely on Netflix and if you are someone who really doesn't want to think too much about like what you want to watch, you just want to have stuff presented to you, then that's great. And Netflix is totally fine. But then as soon as you start wanting to watch something that Netflix doesn't have, then suddenly you're spending not just, you know, seven or $10 a month on your Netflix account. You're spending another seven or $10 on Crave or another seven or $10 on Hulu. Right. And so it adds up, like it's still probably cheaper than a cable subscription, but it's a it's kind of like you're it's there's no one size fits all streaming service yeah. and netflix i think kind of tries to act like it's like oh you don't need anything but netflix like netflix has it all yeah and even i mean streaming services i'm sure eventually will have sports on them for example but mm-hmm. right now if you watch sports you need to have a cable subscription yeah right yeah and so that alone kind of limits a lot of the population from ever buying into just one mm-hmm. so yeah um okay another thing you noted though when mm -hmm. we were uh planning this though is that you said that you think hype might be driving the success of a lot of these netflix shows yeah and you agree with that statement yeah well i agree with it because i said it but yeah yeah yeah. so i just want to make sure because (laughs) yeah i mean i disagree with that though and that's a a big thing i think that netflix is doing well right now okay um i mean for example i watched the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt or Master of None, um, both Netflix originals that mm-hmm. are of very high quality. And, you know, we were talking about how Crave now has HBO mm-hmm. uh, and its back catalog on there. And HBO has done a good job of essentially making the perception be that HBO content equals quality content yep. in general, right? I agree with that. And... I think Netflix is doing a good job of that, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, so I don't think it's just about hype. I mean, there is hype that has popularized some of these shows. I mean, House of Cards had a lot of hype. Orange is the New Black has a lot of hype. Mm-hmm. And Mas- Master of None, I think, actually has a lot of hype right now. But it's just word of mouth. And I think the quality is what is sustaining that hype right. and what is bringing people back to watch more Netflix shows. And I think that right now, if I was to... Um, like I'm predisp- uh, predisposed to thinking that a Netflix original is of a higher quality than mm-hmm. something say on basic cable. Yeah. You know? But, okay. Um, that's all really interesting. Uh, I'm just trying to like the thing that I think is interesting is, okay, I'll concede that by all accounts, a lot of their like big mainstream shows that are Netflix originals have been well received critically. Mm-hmm. So, I was probably a little bit wrong in thinking that there's hype. However, Netflix also does a thing where you actually, there's not a lot of tangible proof in terms of like how successful any of their shows are. That is true. We don't and have viewer like, numbers. They don't, they don't publish any numbers in terms of who's watching what. We have no idea. And the other thing that's interesting about this is that 
HBO does have the association as well of like their original programming um, is high quality. Like that's mm-hmm. a that's a common association. However, HBO also has a thing where they're on other services and Netflix, their originals are limited to Netflix. So it's like the it can't become as widespread and like notorious as yeah. HBO stuff because no one else wants to do licensing agreements with them and Netflix doesn't want to do net licensing agreements with like Hulu or anybody else. Like well, you're see- not going to see like Netflix originals outside of Netflix. Um, and so I think this is like, they're kind of building themselves into a box in some ways because they've been so disruptive and already like TV studios and other people don't necessarily want to work with them. Like Fox is limiting the amount of shows that they're putting on Netflix. And so they're really banking on this idea that their original content is so much better than an entire back catalog of like great HBO or great AMC or great whatever. And so I think this is maybe where these, uh, Netflix may have the uh, playing field leveled against it in the future, mm-hmm. where um, where I kind of see it going, I mean, potentially in the the way that video game consoles go. Okay. So you have, for example, like three big um, video game consoles, usually per cycle. You know, mm-hmm. Nintendo makes one, Microsoft makes one, and Sony makes one, and they develop their own original content for their system specifically, mm-hmm. right? And those are big selling points for each of those systems, right? Yeah. That can differentiate. Maybe you're a big fan of the Halo game series, like you're going to play on, you might yeah. get an Xbox over a PlayStation. Yeah. Um, but then there are the games developed by third parties who that can be put on all three of the systems. Mm-hmm. So they have a different incentive in that they're not trying to... Um, trying to uh, get, uh, you know, pull people to one specific system. Mm -hmm. They're just trying to license out their content for probably a higher price. The more popular shows are going to be for a higher price, right? And so Netflix right now is doing a good job with the first party things. Um, But, and they're having pullback from, you know, cable companies Mm -hmm. because they don't want people cutting the cords. Yeah. But eventually... I mean, I I see. I don't see traditional cable sticking around in the way that it is now. You know. Well, but except as you pointed out, like sports alone, if sports holds out and doesn't go to a live streaming site or doesn't go to like Netflix or something like that, then there are still things that people expect on cable. Even with I just I think we expect sports to be on cable because it's on cable and we can't get it anywhere else right now. But the first streaming service to do that is going to have a huge advantage in terms of you know first off moving people moving people who watch sports into the streaming world but also then every other streaming service will be fighting to do that too it's just a matter of time is Mm -hmm. what i see for sports i mean we talk about Um, all the time that not like no none of the technology that we're using right now is going to stay forever like it just probably isn't mm -hmm. um but in terms of in terms of Netflix being too big to fail, then then maybe they are because a lot of the time it's whoever makes it to market first and is currently dominating the market, like mm-hmm. relative to other competitors. I mean, assuming that Netflix is as successful as they act like they are. Yeah, I mean, in the short term, Netflix is going to be around for a while. Mm-hmm. I think, um, however, with the rise of other streaming services that will inevitably, you know gain more popularity and market share in mm-hmm. a, a market currently dominated by Netflix. Yeah. And they start making their own original shows that are maybe really good. And maybe HBO, well, they already have a streaming service in the States, but 
maybe they start also licensing mm-hmm. other well, shows. So, you but know, then it's kind of it's, my my other thing that I've been wondering then is that has really anything changed? Because everyone acts like it's like TV has had this crazy shakeup of suddenly you know like the networks aren't making any money and there's no advertising and TV is not sustainable. But really, mm-hmm. it just seems like everything has possibly just shifted to the internet in that and that there's new players because essentially we're talking about things are going to narrow down into specific niches where you can get certain content from certain places and like see i don't know if that's the case though i think that most content will probably be shared among a lot of these services and then each service differentiates itself from like by their original offerings yeah you know it would be interesting to see if um a couple streaming services would partner together for a shared subscription package, essentially becoming a digital, like a, a cable package yeah, too. Like, which could, could definitely totally be a that. thing. I could see that moving right? forward. Like that would be really interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. So on another note, um, I've been binge watching lost on Netflix mm-hmm. recently. And, um, obviously that was a show that was originally released on regular cable yeah. using, using the old traditional method. And, you know, I noticed every few minutes we have this build up to kind of a cliffhanger, then it cuts to commercial. Right. And then, well, it doesn't cut to commercial, but it would have. And then it comes right back and we resolve that cliffhanger. Mm -hmm. And the episodes need to be constructed in that way where they're trying to keep people um, interested interested for the whole time. Providing advertising. Exactly, right? And I think that having to construct an episode in this type of way limits how we experience television and is something that I see as a benefit of the streaming service model. Right, because right? they don't need to put any of those breaks in at all. Yeah, no breaks. And then it doesn't, you don't need to create this artificial, uh, um, you know, catch to mm-hmm. keep you in. And um, Well, it's interesting that you say that just because, like, Netflix isn't the first uh, isn't the first kind of television related thing that had this. Like HBO actually is designed in a similar way. Where right. Yeah. They would do hour long episodes, and I think generally there's probably a consensus that like being able to not have so many so many obvious kind of like act breaks or cliffhangers in order to fit in advertising mm-hmm. has been beneficial. So yeah. it's funny that essentially you kind of just see that like the quality of stuff goes up if you're willing to pay a bit more and if everyone just pitched in because if everyone is pitching like seven or eight dollars for netflix that means that they don't need advertising intermittently mm-hmm. between episodes which allows the, the the art or the the creation to just kind of play itself out the way it would want to naturally right yeah it, it's a it's a more um it's a more authentic and natural form of storytelling right exactly because natural storytelling doesn't involve having cliffhanger making you wait and then suddenly resolving it in a way that's almost always kind of like a letdown just because like cliffhangers are there Mm -hmm. like the cliffhangers especially that like lost or something else would use are never so big going into commercial that it's like always crazy like usually i found that they kind of resolve themselves like it was still tense and but like soon a good very quickly yeah, after it happens very the, quickly uh, after because there's just no way that you can have that many major moments in an episode yeah. that are legitimate right and it actually doesn't really translate that well when you're binge watching um because it will have this cliffhanger where the music will well up and then it will cut to black and then it comes back and then they instantly resolve mm-hmm. instantly resolve it and you're you're thinking oh this now without a break of a few minutes yeah um seems a bit anticlimactic because you just built it up and then you resolved it you know quickly mm-hmm. and then you'll build up to the next commercial but i just i i wanted to bring that up because we've been talking a lot about 
the functional advantages of streaming mm-hmm. and you know how well Netflix isn't too big to fail in that uh I in that I think it has a foothold in such uh, a f- better uh format functionally but okay. also there are creative benefits to uh this type of service as well right right but is that maybe something that like is that something that cable networks should start considering then is that maybe they cable networks need to change how they do advertisements instead because that way they can compete with the long form storytelling of HBO and other and even Netflix I mean yeah potentially but they still then need to show advertising somehow yeah they would probably um, need to because... do like giant blocks of it like i mean yeah. i don't really know how hbo's model works is it just that all their revenue comes from subscription from subscriptions yeah so, so there's just... no ads well i think there are th- there are ads for their com- their other tv shows mm-hmm. between shows between like shows. if okay. an episode goes for 50 minutes then they'll play 10 minutes of interest ads until okay. they fill it you know yeah that makes sense um uh cool and so i know we were kind of starting to touch on binge watching um but just the one other thing that I've been wondering with this topic is um, the idea of delayed viewing versus like simultaneous viewing. So mm. uh, watching stuff all together and having the ability to find the cultural conversation very easily because it's happening in like real time yeah. versus um, waiting and having that conversation later. So mm. this kind of came from the fact that I'm watching The Wire, which is like has a very strong fan base however it's like a 10 it's over 10 years old yeah so So, you don't have someone to talk about it right now there isn't like an active conversation yeah and so um yeah and i'm feeling that with lost right now as well mm -hmm. because i'm that was something that had a very active fan base you know talking about episodes after it aired and i feel like i i guess my point really with this is just that i feel like that's one of a one of the cons that um netflix has kind of found a way to subvert in that they with their original programming especially like people again are just flocking to original programming and then they essentially just binge watch it all together and there's a lot of activity in like a big burst Mm -hmm. but again i feel like it also shortens the timeline for when you can get in on the conversation it essentially forces you to like watch it on buy in and watch it all like right away or else you're gonna just fucking miss the conversation which is part of the fun things about watching TV is yeah. having those conversations. That's why we had like the idea of like the water cooler uh, show was really big in like the eighties ni- and nineties because it was something that again, like you, you talk with about, other people yeah. and you talk about it and, together. Right. I will. And I don't think that this desire to talk about TV shows is going to go away. No. And uh, I think either maybe Movies could be something that could be filling this void in terms of a communal experience that we're doing. But you're right in that Netflix has, because it has release dates for each of its original shows, kind of created this system where people can be a part of that conversation as long as they're willing to watch the day of Mm -hmm. and then they can have that conversation. I remember when House of Cards season two came out, Mm -hmm. um, there was a lot of you know, people posting on social media, talking about the show. And uh, and so in that sense, we still can have this communal experience. It's just in a different way. Well, and it's more fractured. It, and I don't, and I, I would argue that the quality of the conversation you're having might be up in the air because of the fact that you can't, if... if how is it more fractured? It's more fractured because you're limited to, to you're limited to when you finish it. So for example, like, 
if you're looking for the conversation online, which is where a lot of this is happening, say you can't binge watch season two of House of Cards because you got to go to work or be a normal yeah. human. So instead of being at episode eight or episode 10 or finish the season, you're only at episode three. And then you say, hey, we in, can only talk order, about this a little order, bit. In order to avoid spoilers, you probably can't even go to most conversations or the ability to have a specific conversation about where you're at at that point in time becomes much more difficult because... Yeah, because then they don't remember exactly where you're at you. either. Yeah. yeah, so it's, it becomes riskier. So I feel like the quality and the ability to have conversation in some ways, it seems like it's easier, but it actually isn't because by doing these mass drops and not giving people time to digest stuff or giving people just time to just have the one episode and yeah. think about it and comment on it and get to it. Cause again, it's nice to have like a week to be like, even if I didn't watch this, yeah, I have and... a week to get in on the conversation and see what other people think about it. Because that's how, um, that's how like shows like the wire and like Seinfeld and breaking bad and stuff like they had time to kind of like have people investigate it. And that really gives you the payoffs, especially if shows with like breaking bad and the wire where there's a bunch of thematic callbacks and stuff yeah like and they, foreshadowing they really want that, you to benefit from it yeah right? and lost which i'm doing now you know yeah. i i'm gonna get the answers to these mysteries a lot quicker than well, someone get all the answers yeah. but that's, <laughs> i've that's heard a, that that's too a, that's a different problem but but i do see maybe a potential evolution in these streaming sites in terms of i mean maybe it's an evolution or a de-evolution but where they're, where they're not going to just dump the whole season on you yeah. all at once. They go back to... I mean, slowly. I can remember House of Cards season two, first episode, was the type of episode that I think if it was on, you know, on Sunday night on HBO, people would be talking about it the next day. Yeah. But it's the first episode of the season, and I mean, it hooks you into binge watching mm-hmm. it, I think. But it kind of diminishes that conversation in that way. Mm-hmm. Um because by the time you finish the show, that was a big moment, but but you but you're kind of out of it, right? right? Yeah, it does. And, and so, so I the, think this translates into our next topic. Yeah, so sure. Let's, let's dive into that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, okay. So let's move on to the second topic today, which is binge watching. Yes. Uh, essentially, is it possible to have too much of a good thing, even if that thing is TV? <laughs> and um, how has the ability? Uh, to binge watch uh, affected your television viewing experience. Yep. Right. Let's dive so, in. But first off, okay. Ethan, uh, are you a big binge watcher? And if you are, do you have any examples? <laughs> Some <laughs> it's historic, a very well, well-crafted question. Yeah. Um. So, in terms of being a big binge watcher, it's kind of tough because it's like I don't really consider myself a binge watcher, but in hindsight, like thinking about this, mm-hmm. I realize that I definitely am well okay so do you watch like will you sit and watch something yeah for I'm eight doing, hours like I, you know or recently. a full day or something well i did that this week with the wire and it was oh, okay, partially because yeah. i was sick and like i find that i binge watch less now that i have a job and like on my mm-hmm. weekends and stuff like when i was in school i binge watch all the time like i remember i binge watched like the office and parks and rec and even before that i binge watched uh, game of thrones and ba- breaking bad both of those were like around when i was in university yeah. and even before that, um, I remember like the earliest memory I have of binge watching, I was probably like in elementary school and I remember my parents had these VHS tapes of I Love Lucy. Uh-huh. Um, and basically it's like, this was like a really old way of doing it, but it was like an eight tape box set where That's you, you yeah. watch Lucy's travels from wherever she is. I think she's in like New York all the way to California. And then 
once she gets to California, you watch the whole arc of while she's in California and the whole trip back. So it's like wow. an insane. Yeah. That was an insane <laughs> binge watch, and we would watch like like five or six episodes in yeah. a row. And I mean, you know, with DVDs, we would watch Friends and Lost. So yeah, okay, actually, a, so I hold that thought. Yeah, because I want to come back to that after. But just in general, you are a you would consider yeah. yourself someone who does binge watch. I'm someone who binge and... watches but hates himself for doing so. I'm conflicted about it. I have a love-hate relationship with it. You hate yourself for doing it, hey? Yeah, I find that I, I find that it kind of diminishes the TV experience for me. Right. Okay, and I think we'll get more into that. Mm-hmm. Um but on the note of you bringing up the fact that you used to binge watch long a long time ago in your life well still still doing it well but yeah. you still do but you did it when you were a child too yeah. um did you know the term binge watching has actually been in existence for quite a long time over yeah. a decade yeah but, i i think that i feel like I, binge watching is a word i knew about and i don't think i think it was a word i didn't realize that like wasn't commonly used okay like, i because yeah. i don't know like again just because our family did it and i think because like i remember Growing up, we would like read Entertainment Weekly and like other kind of like entertainmenty inside baseball sort of stuff. And so I remember binge watching being a term that, especially with like the rise of DVD sales of stuff, like binge watching was definitely becoming a word that I was familiar with. Right. See, yeah, for me, I don't think I had heard that term before. Oh, interesting. Uh, it's real, you know, cultural uh, explosion of yeah, uh, you know, of its use yeah. that has occurred in the past few years. With the, uh, with the rise of Netflix. yeah, with the popularity of Netflix, especially or other streaming services, um, but yeah, so it's it's interesting though to think of the fact that this has really been around for quite some time, mm-hmm. and but it was never something I really did, and I think I'm a relatively new binge watcher, yeah, in that I didn't, I really wasn't a big t like uh, a TV show watcher other than. I don't know. I watch reality TV and things like that and the occasional TV show. Um, but uh, yeah, so binge watching for me is a new thing. Yeah. Uh, but you would consider yourself a binge watcher now, I would. Right? Con- I would consider myself a binge watcher now. Yeah. yeah I've <laughs> binge watched a lot of shows on uh, Netflix and I'm a student, right? So right. you brought up how when you were a student, that's it, that, it that was the best easier. time for doing it, right? Yeah, it, it actually is like it. it becomes well it's just your hours become more valuable when you're out of yeah. school right and so if you only have like two days off you just can't like if sometimes you do sometimes you still do like an eight out eight hour day of just yeah. watching tv but, but it just becomes more rare yeah because well there's just more stuff you have to get done yeah, in exactly. limited time adulthood um, yeah i know yeah um okay but i was kind of wondering pondering this question about binge watching tv lay it on me dan what All was right. the question so do you think the ability to binge watch television has turned TV she- TV shows into essentially really long movies, or um, are TV shows further on the on a spectrum towards novels on the novel to novel to movie spectrum? Right. Where do you think binge watching sits? Well, I mean. I guess I would kind of want some clarification on that just okay. because like um, I'm not sure like are you just saying that you think that binge watching has made these TV shows more like a movie or more like a book? Is that well, what you're, my like, opinion is that the ability to binge watch yeah. has made the television, television experience 
more like a novel without being exactly like mm -hmm. experiencing a novel yeah. than it is like watching movies. And I think that TV, television and movies often get compared. Yeah. But I don't think television and, uh, you know, reading um, gets compared that often. I guess I feel like the answer is that it depends. I think it depends yeah. on the intentions of the people creating it. Because mm -hmm. I think that, like, I've known in my research for Netflix, I was reading about uh that 13 hour or that 13 episode i think there's some horror original series that netflix has where mm -hmm. the director says that he basically was viewing it as a 13 hour long movie right um and so that clearly in that case the answer would be well i guess that's what they intended it as yeah i mean i kind of just see it as not a big change really either way but that's because i grew up binge watching Right, okay. So yeah. for me, it's just common practice of like, oh, well, if you watch a couple episodes back to back, that's just what you do with TV. Yeah, and actually, okay, I guess then that is a very personal uh, distinction that you can make because for me, I found myself in light of my increased time spent watching television, mm -hmm. um, reading a lot less. Okay. And even when I was a kid, I would binge read novels right. a lot of the time. And I think that while I still go to movies, probably the same amount I always did in my life. Okay. Uh, I think that binge television viewing has taken up my, oh, okay. my well, traditional reading time. Right, okay, that's interesting. I, I mean, I think they fill a similar role in my life, which is this longer form entertainment mm -hmm. where I can delve deep into deeper characters than in a movie, often more complex storylines than in a movie, um, without obviously yeah. it being so, the exact same. So... I have two questions or two thoughts on this. Um, the first one is that for me, like um, because binge watching was part of my like childhood in a lot of ways, mm -hmm. um, I don't really like, I don't personally make that distinction. I also do make the distinction between like reading time and, and TV time under the subset of like entertainment time, if that makes sense. Like if I have spare time, I try to dole it out evenly still with right. like reading and, and watching TV or watching yeah. movies or whatever. Like if I watch a lot of TV, I try to, balance that out later in in time being mm. like oh you've watched too much of the wire or whatever recently so go go read something um my other question is how do you think that watching tv has influenced uh the amount of time you play video games because you used to play a uh, lot of video yeah games. that's actually a good thing too and yeah i think it yeah. has i mean yeah it's true i i always kind of attributed playing less video games to being a busier person right but but like I still obviously find time to binge watch yeah. things. So interesting. So that that I think it has. You're yeah. right, and okay. I hadn't thought of that before. But it's true. Right. Um, just because I remember growing up, you played definitely more video games than you do now. Like, oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. 100%, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I still do play video games to an extent, but yeah. not. Uh, you know, if I'm going to turn on my Xbox, yeah. it's a lot more likely I'm going to be turning on Netflix than it is to play video game. And I have an Xbox One, so I can get mm -hmm. the new video games that come out. Totally. I just, you I don't. just don't. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Okay, but we kind of touched on this, um, just to move on, yeah. uh, in our last topic. But we'll just discuss it again briefly, yeah. I think. Uh, do you think binge binging takes away from the ability to adequately reflect on episodes of TV after they're done? Which I think would diminish... Maybe the lasting effect on the viewer yeah. or or it would have an effect on how you're processing the television show. Definitely. Right? Um, and so I've kind of like telegraphed this or made it kind of obvious that um, while I binge watch, I do think it impacts how I process 
media. And again, mm-hmm. it's like, I think it's personal for everybody. And some people really like, I think if you're into it, you're able to just stay into it and you don't get tired. For me, um, it really depends. Like I'm able to binge watch comedy a lot more, like, like half hour sitcoms, like The Office and 30 Rock and stuff. I'm able to binge watch like seven or eight episodes. And even then it does kind of like numb me to the experience and like the jokes mm-hmm. don't hit as hard. Yeah. Um, and with like hour long dramas, such as the wire game of thrones or breaking bad um i have noticed that i don't pick up on stuff or again i just kind of become like numb to it and get bored with it almost like i'm not bored with this series but i just find it like overwhelming and so i notice well it's more dense so it takes more brain power to watch yeah it's kind of exhausting it becomes tiring yeah so so i find that like by the end of three episodes usually i'm like looking at my phone a bit more and checking the time and like checking instagram stuff because i want to break yeah which is why i have made kind of a bit more of a conscious effort not to do it like if i really like something yeah. then i can blow through it pretty that's quick, an interesting but. point actually i hadn't thought about that but i i i generally binge watch dramas mm-hmm. and just watch dramas more than i watch comedies but that could be a good point that comedies may be more appropriate for binge watching mm-hmm. as opposed to dramas um for the reason that they take more brain power and yeah. can be tiresome to view all the time. But also, I think dramas also benefit from the fun that goes along with discussing uh, and yeah, reacting to sure. show the show and uh, speculating about the show mm-hmm. and things like that. And comedies generally don't need that. No, and in- I, I think even just the way that they're built, like, um, for example, like comedies, like if you look at something like Arrested Development that has like a ton of callbacks in it, mm-hmm. it actually benefits from binge watching in that the callbacks are really recent. So you remember them. Yeah. Like if you have weeks in between the episodes for the callbacks, like I'm sure it still is funny, but having it like, you know, one or two episodes ago, I think makes it hit harder. And uh, yeah, I think like as we were kind of touching on before, like, the cultural conversation around shows is part of the fun with them. And I think that that helps make the dramas like kind of less heavy is that you're able to unpack them. Right. So yeah. instead of just being hit with like this weight and kind of maybe picking up on some of like the thematic elements, being able to talk about it with other people and see the other perspectives. Cause I mean, dramas yeah. are much more like novels really mm. going back to the last question um, in that, they often do have like overarching thematic elements if it's a good show yeah. and they do have stuff that they're trying to get at and symbolism that not everybody's going to pick up on or people might interpret differently. Yeah. And so I think having the space to interpret that is beneficial because yeah, you yeah, can't pick exactly. up on everything. At least I can't, like I, I get too tired. Yeah. And that's, those are all things that aren't important to experiencing a comedy. Yeah. And not, you know, rarely, like, not as, important, yeah, rarely. Usually. And yeah. you know, the most you're going to discuss, I think a comedy is you can, Text your friend who you know has watched the show already and say, oh, wow, that That was was hilarious. That was so funny. But you're never like, oh, I can't believe that just happened. And you're not going to sit and talk about it for five minutes. No. You know, discuss what you think is going to happen next. Yeah. So, yeah, interesting. I think that's... It doesn't really leave you wondering. Yeah. Um, Okay. Another question I have for you. Mm -hmm. So, has the ability to binge watch then made it more acceptable for us to be couch potatoes. Like, is it is it now more socially acceptable to just sit at home for the weekend on your couch and watch yeah. TV? Yeah. You think it is? I think so. I Well, I think that it's like, it's become not, I don't know if I'd say socially acceptable, but it's become more socially like 
almost something to strive for, which I think is weird. And like a lot that of is the ideal. It. If you can binge watch a show all day on Netflix, yeah, like that's to, the dream. To, to, well, this <laughs> this idea of like, like it makes you more normal or something to mm. be like I'm so, like me and my me and my significant other. We didn't do anything this weekend. We just watched Breaking Bad. Have you seen Breaking Bad? It's great. We watched mm. like eight episodes of it. I'm addicted to it. As if that makes you. I feel like it's this weird thing where like it's kind of lowbrow and yet people act like this is like this makes you better because they have all this like there's so much tv available that you literally don't have to do anything else and you're just like have you heard of netflix because everyone has heard of netflix and mm-hmm. that's like why phrases like netflix and chill have become ubiquitous yeah, even though netflix and chill has already, a, but... a double entendre to yeah. it but um but yeah i think that it's become more acceptable and i think that it's kind of sad that it has like i think it's cool to like to like tv and i think it's cool to 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 do that but again it also seems weirdly lonely in that because people aren't watching it together like it's not the same as like coming in and being like yo did you watch like i know that nbc was notorious for having like a thursday night lineup of like comedy shows Mm -hmm. and like so sitting there and watching the thursday night lineup and going into work the next day and talking about it kind of makes more sense to me than kind of catching up on to on stuff that other people may or may not have already watched and who basically the general consensus is, oh, yeah, that's really great. But yeah. you can't have like a specific conversation about it. It is interesting that people seem to share a lot when they have binge watched something. Yeah. And I'm not totally sure why it is, but it, seem, it seems to be, yeah. Yeah, it's even really strange a, to me. People want to let you know that they did this yeah. for a time. And I think, I think though, the, the popularity of sharing this type of thing has made people feel a lot better about this i mean typically or traditionally lonely experience mm-hmm. which is not hanging out with anyone sitting in your yeah like wherever and i wonder if it's because the idea of netflix communicates um like subtly that um i don't know like i feel like it communicates this idea that like you you were doing something kind of productive and the idea that like so many people have access to Netflix that by talking about the idea of sitting there watching Netflix, it's like a shared experience mm-hmm. with people to like show that you're on their level. Even if like you don't think the same things about the show or like maybe you don't catch up on the thematic elements or maybe you don't even talk about it that much. But this idea that like, oh, yeah, like we're the same, pe- like we're the same, like you want to just be sitting at home watching yeah. Netflix and I just want to be sitting home watching and let's Netflix bond over and let's, that shared, let's bond uh, over being lazy feeling. essentially and yeah. i think that's the thing that i have the problem with is that it's like like why don't you go bond over like why don't you go do something and bond over that and like become a little bit more interesting and again like this isn't well i mean i think tv because I, like i really like tv and i really like watching tv and i'm not opposed to it yeah i just think that this idea of like don't let netflix be like the main cornerstone of your personality or like your social life well that's a thing i um or you said go be more interesting yeah. right and go find something else to do <laughs> i mean i've noticed that uh and this could just be me growing up and being in more adult mm-hmm. situations where we may have less in common because i know a lot know people less mm-hmm. well right you know at work or something but yeah tv is really a big thing for finding common ground with other people it's a huge yeah. uh i know it's a huge way to bond with people and but i it, think i feel like it's fake bonding though <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, because but like, then, what, well, then like, what is real bonding, right? No, it's just, know, it's a is, shared... This is, this is a heavy topic, but yeah. I think, like, 
if you look to TV in like the 90s, and I mean, it's always been like, there's always been kind of two schools of it. There's been like the stuff that is really mainstream popular that the odds are you can probably have a conversation. Like it's just prob- probabilities. Like the odds that You're someone more has seen to, it and has an yeah. opinion on it is higher for mainstream stuff. And we talked about this kind of in an early, earlier episode. But for like niche stuff that isn't as popular, like that's where you find, that's where it kind of feels like you're finding your tribe. A, a deeper connection yeah. to that, well, just to that person and their yeah. interests because yeah, it's, it's a more specific yeah, interest, Yeah, like if right? you're someone who likes Star Trek The Next Generation, like while that show was insanely popular, I think in like the 90s, it was a popular TV show yep. from what I remember. Like looking at it now, the amount of people, like that show's on Netflix and no one's talking about that. So if you go into the party and say like, yo, Star Trek Next Generation is great, and you find one person, that I think is more meaningful than being like, man, Breaking Bad was crazy. Because the amount of people who watch Breaking Bad, like, I think because the population that it's hitting is so diverse, the odds of it actually being, like, a genuine connection, being like, oh, wow, like, I really got that too, and, like, oh, that's an interesting take on it, is lower. Yeah, that's true. Instead of people just being like, yeah, Walter White's a badass, man. (laughs) Like, he just goes in there, and you're like, this is not the point you're supposed to get from that show. No, that's actually kind of funny. I mean, at work... This summer, I worked at a law firm with 100 lawyers uh, and lots of staff. So I had lots of these small talky conversations with tons of different people. Mm-hmm. And I'm a very big Game of Thrones fan, right? Mm-hmm. And that's nice because I am I like it a lot. And I, am, I know a lot of the details, but it's also something that's popular. So I can talk to lots of people about mm-hmm. it. And... It does serve as this thing to help me build this very um, superficial connection with someone and have a short conversation about something that we. It's funny because like at work, share. at work, you're probably thought of like as the Game of Thrones guy. Like it's like, yeah. man, if I if you want to talk about Game of Thrones, you should like, talk, talk to, to Dan. Talk to Dan yeah. on the third floor. That guy really knows his stuff. Yeah, but yeah. but it's it does highlight the fact that it's true that these shows allow you to have kind of the lowest common denominator yeah. of having something in common with people yeah but those interactions don't make me feel especially connected to anyone in particular because no. it's not that deep but if i find someone, someone who like has a deep books, interest though, in that like someone who's reading the books and like knows everything that's going on and like i like reads the forums and does right is like is like you know like kind of a geek about it not in a bad way but just like yeah someone who literally loves it that much that they're tracking all of it and that's that and that feels great when i meet someone mm-hmm. like that right yeah and but because it's mainstream it's hard it's hard yeah. to find those people yeah but so this this binge watching though is a pretty and making it a public thing and watching as many shows as you can i mean you're saying people see it almost like a productive thing uh, like yeah. a productive thing. And I, I like, mean, maybe it is because you're it is being productive in making it's, you're not necessarily more interest. You're more broadly interesting, yeah. but you're less specifically interesting. Yeah. You're taking away from, and I think that this, I think it's like anything else that at least for me. And again, we could have a whole conversation about what makes a person interesting, but I find that the interesting comes from specificity. It comes yeah. from having details and knowing stuff instead of just being like, I watched that. Like, it was pretty good. Like, that's not an opinion. That's not interesting to talk about. I, yeah. I would rather have someone be like, I watched, like, all of Breaking Bad and I really hated it. But here's why I hated it. Or something like that. And, I mean, obviously, that's kind of an extreme example where no one's going to watch a whole show. But, yeah, I just think, I don't know. I just think that TV is tough because it's like, there's we're living in an age where there's a ton of really great TV. Yeah. And people, 
are very quick to share stuff that they love. So mm-hmm. it's very easy to find great TV because it's very obvious where it is. It's like like The Wire. Like everyone just kind of knows. Like if you've never watched it, you've probably heard of it as like, wow, The Wire is apparently great. Or Sopranos. Yeah, like yeah. everyone knows The Sopranos is apparently a great TV show even if they haven't watched it. Yeah. Um, but to find the people who, you know, again, like watch it and geek out over it versus just watching it for the sake of watching it so that you feel like you, you knew something. I just, mm-hmm. it's tough. Like because... You also it shouldn't tough, feel yeah. obligated to like watch all TV just to feel like part of the conversation. And I think that's part of the problem with binge watching is that the timeline for everything gets so much shorter that you move on really quick. And yeah, you can time get... to develop the like nuanced interest in it. Well, it's it's a it's a weird it's weird to classify it as a problem, but it is uh, it is it's about a, this overabundance of quality television deters us from really getting into one mm-hmm. tv show because we're gonna watch the whole season or the whole show in a couple days yeah and then it's out of our lives and we can move on to the next really good show because mm-hmm. there are so many to choose well, from and this is a problem that i think we keep seeing recurring in a lot of stuff just because of the internet making things so available like we talked yeah. about this with streaming music that sometimes there's just too much stuff and sometimes especially for someone like me i like being able to sit down and like sink my teeth into it and get to know it yeah. really well and, and I, it, these these uh you know um music streaming sites netflix whatever it doesn't make it more difficult for you to sink your teeth into those things no. but it does make There's, everything else so easily available yeah. that you're just less likely to do yeah it. it just it just reduces the odds of it and it is um I mean, if you just look at the way that humans think about stuff psychologically, like I'm pretty sure sh- I, I wish I had a study about this to back it up. But I'm pretty sure that like humans tend to lean, gravitate towards picking a novel thing over something they know fairly frequently. I'm. Oh, I think it's I think it's the opposite. You think it's different? You think people pick stuff that they know that they're comfortable with before picking novel maybe things. Well, we'll we'll do feedback or we'll I'll actually look into this for next week. Yeah, I want to follow up on this just because I think it's interesting, and I would be I'd be surprised if that was the case. Although Mm -hmm. hindsight bias, I'd be like, oh, that was obvious, and I didn't realize it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I think that about wraps up that discussion. So let's move into recommendations. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Um, so that was our new theme music. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> We're trying to have new things this week. Yeah. Um, well, I'll you want to go, go first, Dan? Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, appropriate for a week where we discuss Netflix and binge watching, um, I'm going to recommend Making a Murderer, which is, oh, you know, everyone's sure. talking about making. Oh, hey, look yeah. at that. Everyone's talking about it, I though. Know. It's a, this is, everyone is part of the cultural conversation. I, w- I would just like to murder. make a point that I somehow managed to avoid even knowing how this show ends. Um, and Dan is signaling to me that. Like, he's don't not done. spoil no, it for I'm, me because I'm not I done. I haven't spoiled it, and I'm glad that you signaled that. Um, but yeah, it got spoiled for me, and I was doing so well, and I was like, because considering how like widespread it is, the fact that you're yeah. able to go unspoiled on something is just like yeah. Well, so actually, tough. no, no, I'm spoiled for the end result. I'm not spoiled. All right, see, I'm I wa- not spoiled okay. for the how we get there. Okay, so, I 
might be spoiled for that and I'm spoiled for the end result. And I had somehow avoided the end result. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, that would have been pretty good. And Leah told me. Oh, I'm sorry. How dare she? Yeah, it's rough. I know you're listening but, uh, to this, Leah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I was pretty into Serial, uh, the podcast, mm-hmm. uh, when that came out. Another true crime, uh, you know, episodic type of thing. And I think, yeah, mm-hmm. I think making a murderer doesn't even better job of it i'm very yeah. intrigued right now i haven't finished how far, it but how far are you in it? uh i think i'm on episode seven of ten so, okay, so we're about the same place yeah yeah um yeah so i'm almost done but cool we'll have to talk good. we'll have to talk yeah, about maybe it we'll... after uh, we watch the whole thing mm-hmm. we'll be really late to that conversation i know because again there's just we no, already are late there's just no time yeah. how, like what were we supposed to do watch all of making a murder and then do a show about it as soon as we got back from break because that's what we would have had <laughs> so frustrating yeah, we missed out on yeah. we missed the we missed the, the boat time. it's so hard yeah. to stay on top of it like i don't yeah. know how you do it anyway um so with that in mind my recommendation <laughs> for the week is about like 15 years late and that uh-huh. i'm recommending the wire yeah and um the wire is great the wire has done this thing where it makes me like much more like i demand justice <laughs> and like it's so good like yeah. i really actually recommend everybody watch it um well i mean that's often number one on lists of best television show of and all time you know? so i finished season one um season one is a slow start but the end totally pays off season two i have also started because i binge watched it yeah. and uh season two starts kind of slow and they introduce a bunch of new characters so that's always a little disorienting but like it still seems really good well, well i think isn't the uh format of the show to kind of do do a whole new story yeah, per season so you're going to get a new cast each season no the cast is the same oh so, but they're just different characters so that's why it's getting tricky for me is that they have like a lot of care like all the characters from the last season are still in this world it's not oh, like okay. it changed cities or anything it kind of yeah. changes cities but the main ca- characters are still there and then um but they're adding like a bunch of other characters so mm. the cast has gone from like it was already pretty big of like, there's like 12 to 20 people that you need to remember. And then now there's more, but yeah. it's still great. Still really interesting. And with that, I'm also recommending Crave TV because it's actually like really addictive. The app has some issues that I don't love, like uh, streaming on Google Chrome. You know, when you have Netflix and you're scrolling through and it's got the time bar at the bottom, mm-hmm. that's on the entire time. You can't get oh, rid yeah. of it. It's so that's frustrating. It's really distracting. Um, so that kind of sucks. And there's a couple other bugs, but other than that, like having all this great TV at your fingertips. Yeah, the content of it. What a time to be great. alive. <laughs> yeah, so, we are lucky people. We are. And yeah. so on that note, thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, please go to iTunes to rate and review us, or you can recommend us via Overcast. If you have any questions, feedback, or topics you'd like us to touch on, you can reach us at Twitter at MyProcrastacast or my own personal account at I Wrote This Note. Uh, but yeah, so thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you guys yeah, later. Thanks a lot. See ya.